0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. The question is that uh, Rena raised was, was if, God, if we've got a commandment to know there's a God, so how can God be inconceivable at the same time? So the answer is that the know that we're commanded to know regarding God is not knowing God in his essence, but rather God in the way that God chose to relate. To us, it's the same way. Like Rena, right? I know Rena, okay. But do I know your essence? No. Will anyone know your essence? Do you know your essence? You know, you try to, cho- you think you do, but you try to choose an outfit that would somehow manifest your essence. You try to choose a career that's manifesting your essence, but it's hard to know. Your face manifests you. Your name, Rena, manifests you. We're all manif- everyone has this concept of essence and manifestation, but no one's so right on. That's why you will notice, uh, like for example, teenage girls dress funny. Yeah, they see some; they don't know their colors yet, so they see something on the shell, it looks cute. They grab it and they put it on, and they, and they. But of course, they probably look totally out of sorts half the days because they don't know their what they they don't know their thing yet some women never figure this out actually but the but that wasn't a comment about anyone in the room I'm just saying that the I'm just saying like you get to know how you manifest in your life over time what you really what are your colors what is your style what works for you hopefully Um, but many people are estranged from how they should be manifesting because for example parental pressure you'll be a lawyer you know or you know, you'll be a doctor, you're going to be a fine doctor, son. You're like, but I'm only five years old. You know, how are you supposed to know? I'm supposed to be a doctor. So they'll wind up manifesting towards med school when really their essence is pottery or something or who knows what advertisement, you know, it could be anything else. How do you know, by the way, that you're manifesting out of your essence? Because you'll um, you'll find yourself not breathing fully. You'll find yourself short of breath. You'll find aches and pains, possibly digestive issues, and um, uh, you'll find yourself after a while having trouble getting out of bed to go do the thing you're manifesting in when uh, it's, it's, off your, it's off your true essence, things like that. Be, there's all kinds of symptoms, and no one should worry if they're between the ages of like 16 and 24 because that's a period of just expressing and experiencing and finding what works and doesn't. But they should definitely use their breath, shortness of breath, and feelings of, uh, you know, it could be headaches or, uh, or, or uh, digestive issues. And they should use those as little markers because the body's a feedback mechanism for when you're out of your depth. The body's a feedback mechanism for when you're really not in the right place. And, by the way, if you happen to be a Jew and you're feeling that around Jewish environments, so that may be one of two things. It may be, one, this isn't the right Jewish environment for you. Or, two, um, the part of you that's not used to Judaism is saying, get out. It's It's telling you to get out because it is scared to death of what might happen, and I'll tell you, I had major allergic reactions to Judaism when I arrived in Jerusalem, major, I was all broken out, and my stomach was nuts, and I was, uh, because it 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 meant so much to who I am going to be, everything I was learning meant so much to who I'll become, and I don't know what that is, it's all unknown, and my body just fully short-circuited. Now, I could have listened to my body and just gone back to whatever hippie gathering was going on. You know, I could have done that. But my mind, my intellect was so satisfied by what I was hearing that that's what kept me in. So even though I felt like I was dying, I felt like literally like there was an exorcism going on where I was getting like something wrenched out of me and it was really hard, I um, I stuck with it because my intellect said, you know, you've never seen anything like this, no one ever spoke like this before to you, no one had ever taught classes like this before, you've never had your questions answered like this before, how can you leave? And I'm like, but I'm dying, you know, and I, but I stuck it out and my body slowly acclimated to it. Now I know, but now I'm right back to the beginning, meaning I'll be in some synagogue somewhere, and I realize I can't breathe. I just can't breathe. I met someone similar or something, and I had to go to the the synagogue, and it's Shabbos, and it's crowded, and it's a certain European kind of dark style to it, and I'm into very open, and, uh, and, and everyone's just like, there's no personal space, you know, it's <laughs> like trying to pray like this and there's one guy I have to like kind of match his motion because he's I thought I'm going to bump into him there's a guy right behind me and about a thousand behind us and and I'm like you know my shul in, can get as crowded as a, as that my shul on like the holidays but but I, there's space for some reason in my shul it's a very chill environment even though it gets crowded sometimes yeah let yeah, me sure. When God said He made us in His image, didn't He give us a glimpse of Himself? Because He had to make us in His image, we had to get something from Him. So it's possible to know Him. Well, a glimpse. I mean, Vince. He made us in His image. Well, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like um, I think each one of us has has a uh, you know, in avalanche skiing, you know, and when they do backcountry skiing, there's an avalanche, and people get if someone gets buried by the avalanche, one of the skiers, so the other skiers have a beacon. It beeps. If someone gets buried and so they quickly take off their skis and run onto the avalanche and it, the quick closer they get to the guy who got buried, it beeps fast, and they have about two minutes. And the uh, and you climb up on the avalanche and once it's beeping beep beep, 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 beep beep that means you're over the over the skier. And then you start digging as fast as you can trying to get to the guy when you finally get down to him, you can pull him out and resuscitate him if it's within two minutes. or He should be okay. If it's more, you have to resuscitate him somehow. Um, I believe that we do have beacons implanted in us uh, from birth, from the womb. That uh, That you're right, we do have this glimpse and we, though we're here in the matrix, we're like locked in the matrix, all of us know when things are when it's starting to beep faster you know we have this it's called a, rena, a resonance we start resonating with, uh, with in nature for example you'll resonate much more than in the city you'll resonate with God much more so that's a resonance you're tapping into but you could most people just get lost in nature and never get to God you know, they think God is nature. I remember that I was surfing in Malibu once this hippie passed by me, you know, Topanga Canyon guy, you know, long hair, and you know, you can, you can, you can like smell the THC as he paddled by, and he, uh, he paddles by me and he goes, Rabbi, this is God! <laughs> and I was like, it's actually the Pacific Ocean, and, and the, and I understand that, like, you're going to realize God much quicker out here than you're going to realize Him in, you know, downtown L.A., you know. But um, it, but it's not God. So I believe there is a beacon, and I believe it beeps stronger in different situations. It beeps very strong at the time of a birth. People really feel God then, and, and death. And any discussion of death, feelings of death, uh, and especially experiencing someone's death, they, uh, in the morning you find that people's beacons are beeping quite strong. Many people became observant after a death, they, uh, they, uh, it beeps so strong that they realize they just prefer it to keep beeping all the time, like strong beeping, I prefer the strong beeping, sad it had to happen through that, but but that's what got the beeping going. Yeah, so there is a resonance, I think, with that. And I believe that came from primordial times, like before creation and before our birth. Now, again, God is inconceivable, but knowing how, knowing, when we're commanded to know God, we're really commanded to know how God relates. Right? Uh, what's your name, for example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know your name now. You know, and and I see how you dress, and I see the frames you chose. So I'm getting to know you a bit. And you chew on the end of pens. Um, The whatever. These are things that how you show up, but your essence. So you you wouldn't be like disappointed. Let's say we got to know each other. You wouldn't be like disappointed, but but. But Yom Tov, now we're friends, so you're calling it Yom Tov, not right? Yom Tov, I'm still disappointed that you don't know my essence. You'd never say that, because you yourself barely know. Your, who knows their essence, you know? So, you're right, we can't know God's essence with our mind. But we can know how God relates, and how God relates is the ten spheros. And we can know the ten spheres. These are the ten primordial beams that God beamed the world into existence. There are three intellectual beams, which is the uh, the associative brain. The left side is the uh, um, uh, what do you call it? deductive brain? How do you call it? The uh, analytical brain. Then we have the Eureka brain, the uh, decisive brain. I got it. That's it. Size of brain, Then you have uh, kindness, discipline, beauty, all these different ways, etc. And so you can know God, but you know Him. You know His ways. That's the way. Also, we're, we have another commandment to emulate God's ways. So all, everything I just mentioned, we're we're meant to emulate. Okay. Yeah. question? You can ask it. I'm not necessarily going to answer this one though. Okay. Go right. ahead. So, is not the first thing that comes to mind when when you're faced with attempts to be like, why just ten? Doesn't isn't it sound like infinite and should be able to express Himself in millions of ways? Not like it feels like really limiting, just ten. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing limiting about the ten spirits. I mean, if, if I tell you one of those spirits is more expansive than all of reality, from the beginning of time, so the other nine are like on the attic. You understand that? And it all depends, you're right, if it's just ten, but those ten are limiting. But Chesed, for, chesed for example, is unbridled, infinite flow. That would include all of them. They're all in there. Okay. Okay, they're all. It's all a holographic. If you know anything in physics, every one of the ten includes all of the other nine. So, and if you check out the fourth one, let's say all ten, all nine are in every ten, in every one. So, if you check out, let's say, in these ten, I check out this one. If you open that one up, guess what's in there? All ten. And if I ch- okay, so that's the next subset of ten. And I check out this one. Guess what's in there? All ten, forever and ever. That's why the world's actually 3D. The reason you're standing in it, you're you're experiencing this classroom in a 3D mode, just like a hologram's 3D. You don't need a screen for a hologram. It actually shows up 3D. So this is the reason why creation's 3D. It's because of the holographic uh, nature of the ten spheres, of so these ten ways. This is all Deep Kabbalah we're doing now. This is not our class, okay? So let's go back. So we so God is inconceivable. There's no concept of God. The only thing we do know though, we do know something about God. You ready for this? The one thing we know about God is that God is an intelligence. Okay, we got that step. So we just went from nothing, absolute nothingness, which is the essence of God, to intelligence. Now, how do we know God's an intelligence? By the way, we're not going to say much more about God, because it's really nothing. The only thing we kind of know is that God's an intelligence. How do we know God's an intelligence? Sam? You know he knows everything. He knows everything? Okay, but that's already pre- supposing he knows everything. I'd imagine he does know everything, but how do we know God's an intelligence? How do we know there's an intelligence there? It's how complicated we are in the universe Okay, very good. So, because of the design of creation. When you see design, you think designer. Okay, if you found my watch, hey, where's my watch? Oh man, I forgot my watch. <laughs> if you found my cell phone in the Sahara Desert, yeah? Find my cell phone in the Sahara Desert, and you say, like, um, you know, you wouldn't say, oh wow, look what happened over billions of years of sand rubbing up against each other, you know, uh, uh, cell phone. It's you'd never say that because it's got so much design so things with design have designers and the creation not to mention giving us the ability to design like we ourselves have such incredible design ability which we ourselves are also designed so the that's one um there's other reasons why we know god's a designer um why god there's an intelligence there and by the way you should know that physics quantum physics Discusses that whatever precedes this world. There is an intelligence to it. They know that also. There's the whole discussion of uh, Chaos and order that Order doesn't come from chaos Unless there's a creator but in nature there's something called entropy things become more chaotic rather than more orderly Is that clear? things don't become more orderly things become more chaotic if I just send ink out, like if I just pour a bucket of ink out on a piece of paper, it doesn't become more orderly, it's it just becomes more chaotic. Okay? But if it suddenly coalesced into a Shakespearean play. I mean I
1: know he's a
0: kind God though. Does Einstein say I need to know if this world is something of a kind God or a mean god, isn't there something to that that we know he's a kind God because of when you get there's food, there's this. Do we not know that? That God is kind. Yeah. Those are ways already. We're just, that's already manifestation. There's essence of manifestation, and absolutely kind is there. Kind is a manifestation, and by the way, so is that's kind. So is Correct. mean. Yeah. God's got a serious jealous side to him. You know. You guys notice God gets a little jealous. What happens when a spouse ignores their spouse? what, is, what happens to your spouse? So well, they get angry, they get jealous. You know? So God created God created the world and created the people in it to relate to God and people choose not to. So God can get a little jealous. You know, you're praying to the sun when I created the sun. What am I, chopped liver? You know, when I go to a restaurant, I often thank the way, the chef. Usually I, I go into the chef and thank the chef. Unless it's a hotel and the chef's in some basement somewhere. But if I'm in a regular restaurant, I go to the staff and I thank the people behind the scenes in honor of God. Because God's, you know, he's created a lot of waiters, you know. But we always are tipping waiters. What about the chef? You know the one who actually made it, made it all so that's a monotheist a monotheist thinks the chef now, I just got to do a scat now because we're running out of time here's the thing, okay, a couple of things number one is that you have to understand that that, there's some, that we are hardcore monotheists as opposed to the rest of the world's religions are what I call soft core monotheists Okay, we are hardcore monotheists. Soft core monotheists believe that there is one God, like we learned in school. You know when you were young, they teach you there was one God in school? And when they talked about monotheism? Yeah, one God, right? Boring, okay, total sleeper. That does not change me, at all. It adds nothing to my life. If anything, we lost the battle. You know, the Greeks had like thousands of God, we have one. we lose. You know, it's a thousand to one. We lost the game. It's not... Judaism is hardcore monotheism. Hardcore monotheism is not the belief in one God. Rather, it's the belief that God is one. And there is no other. He is absolute oneness and there's nothing besides that oneness. Nothing. Not me, not you, not nothing. Not the creation. All the galaxies are as if nothing before God. So it's the absolute oneness. That's why we sing in the synagogue, He is oneness. There is no other. I'm not taking any questions now. I'm just doing a scat because we gotta, I wanna get this couple points across. Okay, so God is absolute oneness. Now how did God create the world? What happened was God beamed the world into existence from this nothingness using what's called this primordial light. It's not light like we know, but it's some kind of spiritual light. Now, by the way, what do physicists say the whole world's beaming in from? Light, light energy. So isn't it interesting that the physicists and the Kabbalists agree, you guys not in here, please. The physicists and the Kabbalists agree. The physicists and the Kabbalists agree that the world's coming from light. It's being beamed from light. Now that light becomes matter, now how does it become matter? So physicists say we don't know, but they can always theorize because they look at the physical world, now they're looking in quantum physics, looking at the proton, neutron, electron level, they're starting to understand a bit about how light became matter, but it seems like there's some kind of a filtering of light to create the world, meaning the light's getting filtered out so that there can be a physical recipient. So God is flowing light into creation, it's getting filtered from the creation, and then there's this world, the creation. Now God is also, God is, God is before the light, God is the light, God is the filters, and God is the creation. There's nothing outside of God. It's important we all realize that God can't create something outside of God. Because the second you say God created something outside of God, He's not one anymore. You see that? God ends here and this is another. The second you say God, that's why it's a funny statement that God created the world could be a heretical statement. Is saying God created the world. God has border and edge and limit and the world begins there is hardcore about monotheism. We don't say that. We say that God is absolute oneness and somewhere inside the intelligence of God, God creates the world, meaning we are inside the mind of God. According to Judaism, we're inside the mind of God. We've never been outside the mind of God. Anyone seen the movie The Truman Show? Yeah. The Truman Show where you saw that where this kid was born in a bubble. and minute you, you say that one, It's an amazing movie where his whole life's inside. That's our life. We're inside the mind of God. I know a GPS system would tell you you're in Jerusalem right now, but that whole system and all the satellites and all the galaxies and everything are all inside of God. So locationally, you're here. But a-locationally, you're in the infinite soup of the creator of the universe. Which means this world's quite cosmic. It's a tremendous gift. There are high stakes. There are high stakes. There were not very high stakes before. There are higher stakes now. Uh, before the giving of Torah at Sinai, there were somewhat high stakes. Meaning, if everyone turned into such selfish br- brats as the world was, by the way, the word for being a selfish person in Hebrew, like when a whole, whole society turns selfish, it's called Hamas. Yeah, look in Genesis. It's called Hamas. The, the flood of Noah. No, the flood of Noah, when God decided to basically wipe the surface, he basically wiped the slate clean. Uh, humanicide. That was uh, because of Hamas. So God. I mean, gods can get tough before the giving of the Torah, when when people are so far away from that oneness that they're treating each other like total separate entities. Because the whole point of creation is to see that we are one with each other, that I'm here to give, not to take. The whole point is giving. And when you get that, you're in consonance with creation. When you don't get that and you're a taker, you're in dissonance with creation. And if it gets so largely... Uh, popular to be t- a taker that's when that particular nation or in this case the whole civilization in the Noah's case or it could be a civilization will be will disintegrate it will lose its spark and there will be political reason any poly scientist, political scientist could tell you why Greeks the Greek world disintegrate through political issues but that's not what happened that's what happened on the external what happened on the internal was they turned so selfish that they uh, that they lost that spiritual spark that keeps a nation alive. Every nation has a spark that's keeping it going, and there will always be political reasons why it may fall apart. But uh, but the real reason is that they lost their connection and um, to the oneness. And but after the giving of the Torah at Sinai, now it's even pretty heavy, much heavier stakes um, where God. Before was like okay, you know, try to do your best. Now it's more like I gave you the Torah, like I I made this rendezvous with your nation with a nation. So the Jewish people are held to a very very high high uh, what's the word standard, very high standard, and that's part of our whole conflict with Judaism is we don't want the standard. Like on the one hand we love Judaism, On the other hand we don't want the high standard. So. But God plays hardball with the Jewish people. He really does. God plays hardball with us. Shalom, welcome. We're just going to have standing room for the next 45 seconds. It's better that way so we don't interrupt the class. Although this nice lady can sit, I think. Yeah. Another thing to consider is why... God is always referred to in the masculine. Why do we always refer to God in the masculine in, uh, Judaism? When we just said God's nothing. Right? If God's nothing, He certainly doesn't have genitalia. You know, why are we referring to God in the masculine? And the answer is that, remember what we said, that God's flowing creation into being from that nothingness, flowing. So that's the masculine aspect. That is the aspect of the masculine. You might have used your adults-only imagination here, but the masculine is the flower of creation, and the creation itself is the recipient of that flow. And that's why the creation is always referred to in the feminine. The physical world in Judaism is always referred to in the feminine, and God's always referred to in the masculine. And that's why women are much more connected to God. In the Jewish world, they're considered much more connected It's in their merit we left Egypt. It's in their merit that we, uh, you know, they're the ones who didn't pray to the, didn't bow down to the golden calf. They're the ones who didn't believe the spies who gave the bad report about Israel when the Jews were in the desert. It is in the merit of the women because the women get it, so they don't have a a bunch of extra, extra external commandments like to fill in. They don't have to do these external things. They don't have the external commandments of going to Minyan to pray. Women can pray wherever they are, whenever they want. They're connected, they continue praying. You know a man who doesn't go to pray in a minion will stop praying? Amazing, every man who says, I just prefer to pray on my own, he stops. Whereas a woman, never having prayed in a minion, will continue praying her whole life. They're, They're intimately connected to the Creator. Why? Because they're the feminine, and the Creator's the masculine, and it's a perfect fit. And so too, the, um, not so too, the opposite is men, men, so God's the masculine aspect of asserting, of flowing, of, of putting in, where um, men, created men, like myself, like the men in this room, we have that, we and God have that in common. But the problem is, is it's, it's at odds, a man doesn't like to recognize that he is the receiver. And for that reason, Judaism is always trying to create for men to be more androgynous. Judaism is always trying to create the feminine side to help uh, bolster and cre- create and then bolster the feminine side of a man. In fact, when a, you want to hear something very interesting that when a man is born a feminine who would, in two seconds he'd be considered gay in America and he himself would become gay probably eventually, at least in today's uh, in today's society. If he's born into a Hasidic family, you know, in like Meisharim, which happens all the time, it's a genetic thing to be born so effeminate, with so much femininity. The, you know, he becomes like the, he's the prayer leader for sure. He's gonna lead the prayers. He's gonna be, he'll probably become the Rebbe of the community. He'll certainly become like a, you know, a high up. <laughs> he like, if someone's born effeminate, he's like streamlined to leadership. Because he'll teach us how to relate to God yeah it's an amazing thing and never even a thought like homosexuality I mean there is there's you know if there may be some perverts in the world but the but in meaning in the observant world but besides that the norm the normative is heterosexuality there's no I and mean, we're totally natural with our bodies and completely there's no homophobia even the men uh, I spend every morning naked with my entire neighborhood and I can't, I'm coming, these pays are from the mikveh here. I was in the mikveh with all the men in the neighborhood and on Fridays all the boys are in there and we come with our sons. Everyone, there's no such thing as homophobia, you have to have homosexuals to have homophobia around. We didn't, there's, no, there's not even homophobia in our communities and it's really nice actually, it's a breath of fresh air to actually have men be natural about themselves. And, and not be full of all these anxieties and stuff. So, I mean, it's funny to watch a Westerner come into, a, you know, like some guy coaxes or me coaxing him some Westerner to come to the mikvah on Friday or something. He's just like, <laughs> you just watch him short circuit. Talk about not breathing. You know, he's not breathing. So anyway, but that's why God's referred to in the masculine Because we, the creation, are the feminine. And our job is to be in the receiving of of God's infinite flow. Now, I just want to end with this. Every one of us has a concept of God. Every one of us. But didn't we just get through saying there's no such thing as having a concept of God? You can't conceive of God. So how can we have a concept of God? The answer is we can't help it. We just can't help it. I myself, I'm teaching the class. I have a concept of God. And you know what? I'm absolutely wrong. But I'm also absolutely right, because God is everything. So he's also that concept, but he's infinitely more. He's so infinitely more than my concept of God that I'm already wrong about saying that that's who God is. But it's precious to me. And yours is precious to you, and yours is precious to you. We can never judge someone's concept of God, because ours isn't any writer. You can have one more evolved as you learn and study, and the more Torah you know, and the more Kabbalah, and all this stuff, the more your concept of God broadens, and I'm sure I've broadened yours during this hour, but you're still wrong. We can't help but concede, meaning you're not wrong, and I'm not wrong, but we're not right either, because God's infinitely beyond anything you thought of, because whatever you thought of is finite. But not only that, you can't judge not only someone's concept of God, but you can't judge their behavior either. God is the judge of our behavior, not one one on each other. Why? Because, get this, Everyone's behavior is according to their concept of God. If you have a very strong concept of God, your behavior reflects that. If you have very loose behavior, it's because you have a very vague concept of God. You still have a concept of God, but it's vague. And so you do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, and you're like, because God doesn't affect you because your concept of God is very far out. I don't mean far out, meaning off. I mean, it's just very distant from anything that's intimate. Someone who has an intimate concept of God, like God is all that there is, like a hardcore monotheist, means God's here. And I want to be careful with what I say and careful the way I act. I want to tread lightly on this creation because it's all of God. So we can't really judge anything. God's the judge. Our job is just to live in this cosmic soup and to love and to give and to be that giver, to be that person who's benevolent, just like God. And then we're playing God's game and then God starts working for us in a way. And and really helping us live in the miraculous. Okay, shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.